Hello, this is Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group, and I'm joined today by Rodolfo Simonetti, who is the Global Managing Director for the Security Assurance Consulting Unit at Verizon. Rodolfo, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. So the 2019 Payment Security Report has just come out. Obviously, I mean, this, this has been a report with a bit of longitudinality. It's, it's been running since 2010. So we've got some good trend data around specifically the level of compliance with, with PCI. One interesting trend this year, I mean, a fairly notable one, is that we reached a high point of 55% of the companies surveyed in 2016 were compliant uh, in terms of meeting all requirements during their interim validation. It started to drop in 2017. It went down to 52. So that could be seen as a little blip. But 2018, it dropped all the way down to 36.7%. So... I think, I mean, the, the most important question of all relating to this entire report is what is going on there? Yes, that's a good and, uh, and fair question. And uh, in fact, uh, before answering this, uh, this, this question, I would like to, to provide a quick uh, history of PCI DSS to explain how we got there. So, uh, in fact, this year we have a two anniversary for, for PCI DSS. It's been 20 years that the major credit card brands uh, define uh, their security standards, and it's been 15 years that, in fact, uh, it's been released as PCI DSS. It's been first released as PCI DSS 1.0 in uh, 04, and then the PCI Council was formed, uh, and they released PCI DSS 1.1 in uh, 06. Um, as you highlighted, we've been uh, working on the Verizon Payment Security Report that used to be called the PCI compliance report, and uh, we started the first release of this in 2010. So that was uh, quite early, nine, nine years ago. And uh, the other next uh, milestone on the road were in uh, 2010 PCI DSS 2.0, 2013 PCI DSS 3.0. And uh, in fact, we've been on the major version of PCI DSS 3 since 2013. So it's been six years. Uh, today, it's PCI DSS 3.2.1. That is the current version. And we know that the next release of the standard 4.0 is planned for 2021. So we still have to run with a 3. something uh, for the next couple of years. So this year, 2019 Payment Security Report, uh, we uh, in fact made the report much more than Verizon experience. Uh, we uh, also wanted to add some contributors. So we added some contributors to, uh, to this year's data and report and analysis, uh, including the secret service. And uh, we were able to have a much broader view. So the first answer to your question is uh, the drop is probably not only uh, because of what we see as Verizon, but because we also added some uh, other contributors that might see a different view than we think. And the reason they might see a different thing than we see is Verizon is focused on large enterprise. And uh, I like to think that large enterprise have a better focus on risk and compliance than uh, medium and small company uh, because, uh, in fact, they have more uh, assets and more resources. So uh, I believe that's the first, uh, the first reason for that. But still, that's not a good enough answer because it started to drop last year. And last year, we were still focused only on Verizon customers. And last year, in fact, it dropped from 55 to 51 persons. And in fact, it seems low, but we still have to remember what this number is all about. And this number is about maintaining compliance. Maintaining compliance is challenging because it means that we stay compliance 365 days a year. 
this is what we need to do to mitigate the risk and avoid a breach. But we still have to uh, remember and understand that those days, most companies are PCI compliant at the time of their assessment. So most companies are achieving PCI compliance. I would say that 80 to 90% of the company are achieving PCI DSS compliance. The challenge we see and the way we measure that is maintaining compliance. And this number you just uh, described and uh, asked for, uh, in fact, more, more, more detail, it's maintaining full compliance during the entire year. And we see, uh, we see a drop, definitely. It's, uh, it's currently at 36.7% worldwide. It's, uh, it's a significant drop since, uh, since last year. And uh, it, it's a drop because keeping compliance uh, during the entire year is, uh, is definitely a challenge for most companies. Why is that? Uh, I believe that still because a lot of companies manage PCI as a project with a beginning and a hand. They, they want to be compliant. They want to pass the assessment. Once the assessment is over, uh, it's not as tight as uh, it used to be when, uh, when, when you prepare for the assessment and uh, it's not part of the ongoing monitoring that should be, uh, that should be in place. To try to understand better why this drop, we ask uh, a lot of companies what they think and what are interesting facts regarding uh, their, their compliance and the way they measure compliance during the entire year. And we found out that only 18% of the company they measure the PCI DSS control more frequently that is required in the PCI DSS standard. And I guess a mistake that can be made uh, quite often is that PCI DSS is it, not uh, it's not the ultimate goal. It's not uh, it's not the ceiling. It should be considered as the floor. So when you have to run some security measures, and uh, in fact we provided the detailed report on page 79 and 80, uh, what we call the PCI DSS compliance calendar to uh, to help companies identifying what they have to do uh, on a daily, weekly, quarterly, annually, and so on basis. Uh, we believe that the bare minimum uh, that is required for compliance is often not enough to uh, to, to mitigate the risk. Uh, for example, you have to do yearly penetration testing. Uh, it makes sense to do penetration testing whenever it's really required. Whenever you see a scan result that is worrying, you might want to trigger penetration testing on this specific application or part of your network just to uh, to, to make sure that... Uh, in fact, uh, everything is fine, or if there is anything to do, you know what to do, what to patch, or what to correct. That's why we believe that while it's not a PCI requirement yet, might be one day, uh, we believe that it makes sense to have uh, a combination of scanning and pen test together and uh, to, to make that what we call a penetration testing program with a true ongoing monitoring of the security. And that's one of the, the many examples. Coming back to uh, the question regarding the drop, uh, also, uh, we, we asked the customer, how they rate their compliance program? And 18% of them said they have compliance um, testings, but they have no defined compliance program. And for those who have a compliance program, 20% of them, uh, they rate their program as advanced, but none of them rate their program as optimized. And in fact, we all we noticed also that only about seven percent of uh, of those companies they really measure their performance. So they consider compliance as a binary thing, and they don't measure performance and effectiveness. And uh, we believe that 
this is what is required to be uh, to be more efficient and to maintain compliance rather than just achieving compliance. Okay. So, I mean, it's 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 that fact then that a lot of companies are now just seeing this as maybe a checkbox. Yes, and it should be much more than a checkbox. In fact, I see PCI DSS requirement and controls as a toolbox. It's something that uh, any uh, any CISO or executive should use and leverage to get things done. In fact, compliance is just a way to support risk mitigation, avoiding being breached, uh, managing security properly, driving a return on investment whenever possible on security investment and so on. But uh, it, it's, not a, it's not a goal, it's a toolbox. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think one, one other interesting factor as well, which is it's tangential to the report. I've got to say, it's, it's a meaty report. I read it over the weekend, it's some 90 pages, but um, I made it through to the appendix at the end. And there's there's a I think just an interesting couple of pages where there's a list of CISO responsibilities. In that, I counted 44 categories and, and just didn't even start counting the subcategories. And it, I mean, how, how much of that do you think that is an issue? In that basically, CISOs are just spread way too thin in their responsibilities, and, and actually, PCI compliance in itself may be just falling off the map a little. Yes, that's a good question. So first, thank you for reading the entire report up to the appendix, because this one is Appendix E. And uh, in fact, you're right, there are a lot of things in, uh, in this appendix. Uh, there's a responsibility for the CISO. There are, uh, there are a lot of responsibilities. But first thing is, in fact, it's not everything they have to do. It's everything they have to, to, to monitor. And most of the time, they can leverage a lot of resources to do that within their team and uh, uh, their direct responsibility, but using the IT team, using the legal team, using the finance team, uh, using some of their suppliers. So that's a, uh, that's a lot of things to, uh, to oversee, of course. But in fact, the seasonal role, it, it, it's still new in many companies. I mean, if we think about 20 years ago, uh, before PCI, there were almost no CISO. There were some, uh, some CISO in some banks. There were some chief security officer. But most companies... Uh, in many verticals, they have no CISO yet. And I, I guess PCI, along with some other compliance requirements, uh, almost created the, the CISO job and function. Uh, because those days, companies, they have to be compliant with PCI DSS, with SWIFT, uh, if they deal with healthcare, with EPA, iTrust, uh, regarding security in general. And most of the suppliers, they ask uh, compliance with NIST CSF or ISO 27000 and so on. And all those compliance requirements combined with uh, the rise of those security breach we've seen over the last 15 years, created those jobs. And uh, in fact, this is a job, I think, um, this appendix is, is still a work in progress because uh, it's still one of the newest C-level jobs we see in, uh, in companies. It's interesting you should say that, actually, because, yes, we, we have a lot of discussions with CISOs, and I think that they still see themselves quite often as, as a, a C-level executive with a small C rather than a capital C. Um, but I, I think, I mean, that's an interesting point that the the, the governance risk and compliance of things like the, the PCI DSS was, was probably quite catalytic in driving the, the role of CISO in the first place. Um, so I want to move on to one final question here, Rodolf, um, which is, I mean, fundamentally based on this year's findings and the, this rather worrying trend of uh, the you know full compliance history of going down. So, I mean, fundamentally, um, what would Verizon advise companies to do to get themselves back on an upward trajectory of compliance? Sure. So, in fact, uh, I think there are two main things. The first one is let's try to focus on the quick wins. 
So uh, in fact, uh, the, the usual um, Pareto work here. And uh, if you check on page 59 of the report, you have the bottom uh, control, the controls that are saying the most uh, for, for most companies. So the top, uh, the top or rather the bottom 20. And using this bottom 20, uh, many controls are part of the same requirement and sub-requirement. So you see a requirement 11 that is about security testing coming back and coming back again year after year. And uh, it's, uh, it's like the, one of the most failing requirement. And uh, you check the first one in that list is 11.2, 33% of the company failing with that. And this one is a simple one. It's uh, regarding, it's uh, making sure that you have a look at the result of your scan uh, uh, internal and external vulnerability scan and make sure they are perform as required. It seems so simple, right? Uh, also in that list, you have 11.3.3, examine the result of penetration testing to verify that exploitable vulnerability were corrected. I mean, companies are paying uh, thousands and thousands of dollars to do penetration testing. What is the point of penetration testing? Is it ticking the box in the compliance report or making sure that you use what is this, this penetration testing report to correct your vulnerability and make sure you're not going to, to be breached. Uh, in fact, I, I, I believe that the second part of, uh, of this sentence is, is the most important one. And still, you see that in this uh, bottom 20 list, you have a lot of, of, of quick wins, just leveraging what you paid for and action, uh, a few things that you need to do. And uh, I, I believe that anyone can pick um, some of those uh, bottom 20 to get some uh, some quick improvement, but that that's short-term solution. That uh, in fact uh, that's a good way to learn from what the other uh, did uh, did wrong and uh, from some from the other mistakes. But what is more important on the mid-term and long-term is to build a security program that is efficient, a data protection compliance program that is efficient. So uh, in fact, for people who don't have the time to build a full report and I want to focus on building a strong security program, uh, I would suggest to focus on page 10 and 11 of the executive inside version of the report, because here you can see uh, what we call an integrated evaluation framework for sustainability and effectiveness. And in fact, we define a security program that is uh, combining a few things. So first, nine factors to, uh, an effective, uh, uh, to building an effective security program. And uh, in fact, using four lines of insurance, individual accountability, risk management and compliance team, internal audit and uh, external audit and regulator. And, uh, and for each of those, making sure that you have the capacity, capability, competency, commitment and communication in place. So you have this framework that is fully, uh, fully described in the report. And if you put this framework in place and you start to, in fact, uh, distillate all the PCR requirements in a security program that is uh, not only actively managed, but also for which you check the performance, you evaluate the effectiveness of the control and so on. And every time something goes wrong, you improve and you learn from that. It's the same way you would do with uh, ISO 27000. For example, you are using compliance and requirements to build a strong and efficient security program. And I, I believe when you do that, you move from a project mindset with a beginning and a hand to a program mindset with an ongoing improvement. And I believe that what we see, if we simplify a little bit, companies that achieve PCI compliance but fail to maintain it and that are being breached, they manage it as a program. Companies that are successful at avoiding being breached, they manage ongoing compliance and they manage compliance as a program and they consider compliance as a tool, uh, PCI DSS as a toolbox rather than uh, as a goal. Excellent. 
Well, again, it's it's a great report. I, I look forward to reading it every year. I find it very useful as a barometer of what's happening in terms of, of payments industry compliance, but also, again, some very practical advice on, as you said, how, how to uh, remediate the issue there. So, Rodolphe, thank you very much uh, for your time today. That's uh, Rodolphe Simonetti, who is the Global Managing Director for the Security Assurance Consulting Unit at Verizon, and for Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.